last week, uh, we kicked off this story of Elisha. And that's what we're talking about through this whole series is Elisha and who he is and basically how God wants greater things for your life. Like he wants you to be living a life that is greater than you could imagine because of what he's able to do in and through you. And when we decide to live a life that is full of Jesus, it is so much greater than anything that we could ask, imagine, like picture what you wish God would do through your life. He wants to do even greater things. And as we wrap up and go through this year's wrap up next week, but continue this week, the story we're going to jump into is one of my all-time favorite stories in the Bible. And so I'm just going to jump into it, and then we're going to kind of start to unpack it. We're going to be in 2 Kings 3, 9. So if you have a Bible or if you're like me and you've got it on an iPad or if you just want to stare at the screen, you know, you do your thing. But we're going to jump in 2 Kings 3, 9. It says, so... The king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom set out. And after they had traveled their indirect route for seven days, they had no water for the army or the animals with them. So imagine you're out in the desert, you've been traveling, you are out of water, this is a problem. You don't have Dasani or whatever your favorite uh, water brand, Kroger, I don't know. You, you don't have water. And they're out of water. They need water. It's setting up what we're going to be talking about. Then the king of Israel said, oh no, the Lord has summoned these three kings only to hand them over to Moab. He's saying, listen, God brought us here and he literally only brought us here, it looks like, to make sure that we're defeated because they are on their way to fight the Moabites. It's about to go down in the desert. They're out of water. But Jehoshaphat said, isn't there a prophet of the Lord here? Let's inquire of the Lord through him. Like there's a dude that loves Jesus here, loves God. We need to figure out what he's been doing these seven days. And maybe it's time we ask God what he's uh, been up to. One of the servants of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, great name, who used to pour water on Elijah's hands is here. And Jehoshaphat affirmed the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went to him. Now, Elisha has just become the man. Remember last week we ended, he had been called by God. Elijah, the previous prophet for Israel, had laid his mantle on his shoulders, said, you're the next dude. We fast forward in time a little bit, and Elisha is the man. He's doing it. He's called. He's performed miracles. In fact, just before this, not long before it, um, he had a miracle where basically there was water, it was polluted, people needed water, and he was called to come and pray and fix that water, and he did. God did a miracle of water through him, so maybe this is why they're on his mind. Right after that, actually, uh, he did another miracle where he was walking, and a group of boys made fun of him for being bald, and so he called a group of bears to kill them. There's a lesson to be learned there in case you ever want to make fun of your pastor. But it's, isn't it kind of funny how the Bible just like one minute he's performing one miracle that's amazing and the next minute kids are being bald by bears, bears because they made fun of a bald guy. You need to read the Bible. It's not boring. You're boring. Get into the Bible. But uh, Elisha has been doing some stuff and you can kind of understand maybe a little bit why the king at the time wouldn't have remembered Elisha. He's kind of new. 
Uh, but do you notice how he's like, isn't there someone here? I don't remember his name. It's oddly almost exactly like the previous guy, but I can't remember him. And it, it kind of shows us the mindset of these kings at the time. They've been doing this for seven days, been walking around, and we learned they were actually marching around for seven days looking for water. And after seven days, they're finally like, well, maybe God can do something, but I can't remember that one dude's name. And it's kind of funny, right, that this really illustrates a lot of us, does it not? What we have a tendency to do, let's try it on my own strength for a while. And then when that doesn't work, we'll see what God can do. Like when, I, when I've tried all that I can do and it's not working, I should have turned to God in the beginning, seen what he wanted me to do, uh, but now I haven't got it to work, so let's turn to God and see if maybe he can make something happen here. And so they're, they're trying to figure out what are we gonna do? Let's call this guy and let's see if he can make it happen. So he's called on and they are so far from seeking God and thinking about him that like I said, it's been all these days, they finally turn to him. But what's funny is, is that you and I do this often, like I said, but it's important to know that a great need can turn you to God. Like, have, has anyone ever been thankful that they had a great need in their life because it forced them to look to God when they wouldn't have otherwise? Like, it, it is only through Jesus that you can go through a time in your life where you have a great need, where you are missing something that you need, and you can look back on it later and be thankful for that time because of how it showed God can work in your life. Like, God can only fill a hole when there's a hole there, right? He can only meet the need that you have when you've gone without it for some time. And so in Jesus' name, we can look back on those dry seasons. We can look back on those hard times and see that they moved us and put us in a place where we could finally focus on God. Sometimes a great need's the best thing that could ever happen to us. And as these kings are wandering through the desert, they call on Elisha. And here's what ends up happening in 2 Kings 3.13. It says, however, Elisha, when he finally gets there, said to King Joram of Israel, what do we have in common? Go to the prophets of your father and your mother. Like he's kind of being sassy here. He's like, hey, you, you haven't even been thinking about God this whole time. You've been walking away from God. In fact, you'll learn a lot of the job of the prophets in Israel was basically to let Israel know you've gone the wrong direction. What are you doing? Well, you need to turn back to God. And he's like, listen, your mom and your pop, they ran to other false gods. Why don't you just run to them? Uh, and as we continue, the king of Israel replies, no, because it's the Lord, it's Jehovah who's put us in this situation. He summoned us here just to hand us over to Moab. And I love that Eli Elisha was kind of sassy. And I know he was sassy because remember last week we talked about Elijah before he comes to find Elisha, he had just gone through a really depressive, terrible time. Well, right before that depressive, terrible time, he's at uh, on Mount Carmel, and there's a thing called the contest at Mount Carmel. And when they're there, basically, uh, there's God's people, and there's Elijah, the prophet of God's people, and then there's these other people who worship false gods, false idols, all this stuff. And he basically says, let's see whose God is real. Like, let's set up an altar, ask your God to bring fire down and consume this altar, and then I'll ask mine, and we'll see whose God is real. And basically their prophets get up and they try to do it and nothing's happening and they're screaming and they're asking their false gods to bring fire down. And Elijah looks at them and goes, hey, maybe 
your God's like asleep and you just need to yell louder and wake him up. Or maybe even better, maybe he's in the bathroom and he just stepped out for a minute and he's like having to go tinkle and you need to yell and he needs to come out here. Elijah was awesome. And so Elisha must have picked up on this and he's like, hey, just go back to those prophets or those gods that you followed and your parents followed. And look at what he says again in the last part of this verse. But the king of Israel replied, no, it is the Lord who summoned us here. It's funny, we give God all the blame a lot of times when things go wrong, but not much of the credit when they go right. And so Elisha says this. This is how he responds in verse 14. Elisha responded, by the life of the Lord of armies, before whom I stand, I'm here serving the living God, you are not. And I need you to know that if I didn't have respect for King Jehoshaphat, the other guy, I wouldn't even look at you. I wouldn't take notice of you. It's kind of savage, is it not? Like I hear your request and I know this is dire times, but I don't like you or your mom or your kids. And if it wasn't for me liking that dude, we being good, I wouldn't even talk to you. Now, stay on this verse for just a second. I want to remind you what is at stake right now. Right now, things are going wrong. Nothing's working out the way it needs to. And they've called on Elisha. They're like, God's got to be able to do something. You did some stuff with water before and God's got to be able to do something. So eventually Elisha breaks and this is what he says. You ready? He responds this way. Now bring me a musician. And while the musician played, the Lord's hand came on Elijah, Elisha. That's what you need? Like we're out in the desert we're out of water. We're asking you to call on God. And you're saying, a lot of translations say, bring me a harpist. Have you ever seen a harp? Do you know how big those things are? He's like, hey, before we do this, I need some mood music. I need to set the mood. We need something to happen. Play some Kenny G. I don't know what you need to make water happen. And he ends up saying, listen, we need some music. And he got me thinking, like, you know, with at like the, I love music, by the way. Like I, I often have music playing in my apartment. I, I need music. I need something going. I'm going to a concert later tonight. And music sets a mood, doesn't it? I mean, no matter what you're doing, uh, it, whatever like mood you need to set, whatever you want the tone to be. You know, when you walked in here today, there was music playing to upbeat, exciting worship music. And it's kind of funny too, though, because y'all know at the end of, every message, what happens? Eventually, a pad starts. It sounds like this. It sounds like this. Eventually, I'm at the end of my message. And anytime this happens, you feel it, don't you? Like like right here is when it's like, you know, we we just gave this incredible message, you know, and you're like, man, Cody just always does awesome. And then, and then this happens. And then I'm like, God is for you. And you know why fall is the best season? Because, you know, in Genesis 3, there was the fall. And Jesus came because he wants a relationship with you. And every time you see the leaves change, you can remember, look how far I've fallen. And God still loves me. And listen, he cares for you right where you're at. Cut the music, cut the music, cut the music. 
And so you see how it changes everything, don't you? It completely, because now if I say fall is the best season, they're like, oh, that didn't hit the same, you know? And so Elisha is, is out there. He's wanting to set the mood because I do think the reason we do that, it's not manipulative. It's nothing like that. It's a moment to hone in. It's a moment to focus and to say, listen, we need to set the mood. We need to understand we are coming to this moment. We need to realize something. So bring the music back up. Bring the music back up. Elisha is out there. They're in great need. They need water. They need God to come through. They need a miracle, right? I mean, it's been days without water. They are out in the desert. There is no way to get water unless God does it. They call on Elisha. Elisha's like, all right, play the music. You know, picture it modern days. Jay comes up and gives one of his raspy, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and you're like, oh, this is it. God's about to move, right? He can't not move. When he's dressed like that, and tattoos and a bandana on his acoustic. Oh, not this week. But Elisha sets the mood, the music starts playing and, and here's what ends up saying, right? You're expecting in this moment, it's going to be incredible. Here's what happens. Then he said, this is what the Lord says. They're like, yes, this is it. The music's right. Jay's humming. The acoustic's just perfect. The slides are firing right when they need to. And God's gonna tell us what we need. He's gonna, like, what's going to happen? And this is what the Lord says. Dig ditch after ditch in this wadi, which is a valley. Dig ditch after ditch in this valley. Now cut the music. That, that's not what I wanna hear. I wanna hear so the water is going to come, right? I mean, is anyone else? Like we're out in the desert, God. We're thirsty. We need some hydration. We need water. We need, we need what can't happen. Like it's not raining. There's not just a lake out here. It's why it's the desert. We don't have water bottles. Our camels are all out. Like, like Bert in the back was thirsty the whole time, drank all the water. We've been out for days. We need water and I need God to come through. And he says, this is what God says. Even though you're tired, even though you don't have water, even though you're thirsty, and even though you just need me to give you water, start Digging. Look at your neighbor and say, start digging. Start digging. They, they wanted a shortcut to the solution. They, they wanted God to go, all right, here's the shortcut. Here's how you get to it. And if we just pray to you, God, like a genie, you'll just give me what I want. But they forgot that God is meant to be the solution, right? He's not meant to be the shortcut to get us to what we want. He's meant to actually be the solution. Faith is not meant to be a magic trick. Like, like trusting God and believing for God to do something in our lives, it's not meant to be this thing where I just pray and then God just gives it to me because y'all, that's idolatry. That's not worship. It, that, that is not worshiping the God of the Bible. That is God, I come to you when I need something, you give it to me. And that is not how faith works. Faith works when I have a great need and I don't know how God's going to come through, but I'm trusting that he will on his time. And as we dig and look into this, haha, as we dig into this, I, I'm, I'm wondering what it is that you need. Like we talked about a minute ago when we were singing, I surrender. 
What is it that you are needing God to do? And what are you going to do if God's response is, I need you to start digging? I need you to start digging. That's how you're going to get to this thing. That is how I'm going to come through. Like, like we have all of the, we want the good marriage. We want to be able to find that person, but we're not actually going to the places we need to go. We're not actually dating the person, the kind of person that we need to date. And then we wonder why it turns wrong all the time. Like, I just didn't see it coming. I didn't get that he was, was crazy. Well, he doesn't value what you value. He doesn't have the same faith that you have. And you wondered why it went wrong. See, we're wondering, why didn't it work the way I wanted it to? Why didn't God just bring it? We have things we need, but we're not willing to do the things that we need to do. Like, we want God to come through in our finances, but we're not willing to put him first in time. Like we want God to work in our kids' lives for them to have an amazing relationship with Jesus, but we're at church one out of six weeks and we don't ever pray with them and we don't ever talk to them. Do you see how it's meant to be? Yes, God needs to do what only he can do, but there's a part you and I are supposed to play. And God lets them know it is time for you to start digging. And it's easy when we're here. Bring the music back up. Bring the music back up. It's easy when we're here because like if you're a parent, your kids are going to change the world. And we've got newborns in here and God's hand is on them. And like he wants to use them in incredible ways. And you have been empowered by the spirit of God to be a parent. And all of that is true. But then cut the music. Then you get home and then your kids are punching each other over the iPad because one of them wants to watch Coco Melon. The other one wants to play Minecraft. And you know what I'm saying? Like it's easy in here, but you can't take Jay and I with you. You know what I mean? When you're home and you're by yourself, it, it is easy in here to make those decisions, it's harder when you get out there, is it not? Because then we realize we have work to do and that showing up to church and praying and hearing a message is great. It's inspirational. It moves us, but it's meant to inspire us to go and do something. Like if all that happens is in here is you get, you hear something, but you're never actually inspired to go do something, then we're missing what we're supposed to be doing here. And as Elisha is talking to them, it reminded me of this verse in James 2.17, where James says this, the brother of Jesus, in the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead. You see, the people in this time were having an argument. Is it the good things that I do that makes Jesus love me? Or does he just love me? And James wants them to know, listen, there's nothing you can do to earn God's grace, to earn Jesus giving his life for you. But if your faith in Jesus does not move you to then act, you do not have faith at all. And you and I are called to be a part of what God wants to do, not only in other people's lives, but in our lives. There is a part we need to play. And Elisha, through this story, is trying to get them to see that only God can make it rain, but you're supposed to be digging the ditch. Only God can come through in that way that you're needing him to come through, but it is your responsibility to do what you can do. Did you know that 99% of the time, look through the Bible, and I would love for one of you to prove me wrong, but you're not going to. 99% of the time when God wants to do something, he chooses a person or a people to start it. Anything he wants to do, 
He could do it on his own, but why does he choose to use people? Because he needs us to see our great need for him and because it brings him joy to use us. And you and I have a role to play in what God wants to do in our lives. And so what is it that you're needing God to do? And I'm not gonna sit up here and try to name them all because I can't name them all, but I know the Holy Spirit's doing it. You know, Jesus in the Bible at one point, there's a man with a withered hand. And if you remember this, Jesus could just snap his fingers and do your step. I'm sorry, that popped into my head. I just had to. We got two people in the room that understood it. Jesus could have just snapped his fingers and the man's hand would have been healed. But what does he tell him? Stretch out your hand. Why? Because in this act of faith, I see in that moment that there's a part I'm supposed to play in exercising faith, and then God does what only he can do. I'm meant to dig the ditch to make room for God to bring the rain. God can only feel what you make room for. And so maybe you want that good marriage. Are you dating the people with high standards? Are you having high standards in your dating life? You're wanting to be financially stable. Are you putting God first in your finances? You want New Purpose Kids to be this incredible, amazing thing that's rocking and rolling and reaching kids. Are you willing to volunteer in NPC Kids? You see, when we get to the digging part, that's when things start to change. And a lot of us, this is why we don't see God provide the way we need him to provide. He wants to provide for you. He wants to be there for you. But are we doing our part and digging? And so when it comes to faith and asking God to move, it involves us preparing and preparing for something that we can't ever complete on our own. Like they can dig the ditches, but if God doesn't come through, it's not like there's a version of this that they can do and it's just not as good as what God could do. They're not gonna see anything happen. Like they're going to dig and dig and dig knowing that if God doesn't do something here, this is all going to have been wasted. There's no way that I can make this happen on on my own. And, And it reminded me of starting New Purpose Church. Like it was digging and starting something that I could not do. There was no version of this that could have happened on my own strength. Like one of my favorite things is week after week, I get calls from y'all or other people, or they send in testimonies, or I see you post about other people in this church that you're getting to know, that are speaking to you, that are praying over you, that you're building relationships with, that you're in small groups with. That's something only God can do. Like one of the greatest joys of being the pastor of this church is looking out at this crowd and knowing like several of these people didn't know each other before New Purpose was a thing. And God has brought these people together and now he's using these people to minister and help each other. And that's something I could have never done, but there was a time where it was just digging and hoping and praying, God, this is, this is a ditch that only you can fill. This is something only you can do. And so when it comes to seeing God do incredible things in our life, we are called to start digging and knowing and preparing for the fact that if God doesn't come through, it's not going to happen. Is your life marked with faith like that? where you're digging day after day, week after week, and feeling like you're seeing nothing happen. 
That's faith. That's trusting God. Digging a ditch leaves a space for God to fill. And that's what we need. And in 2 Kings, as we kind of get towards the end of the story, 3.17, here's how Elisha kind of wraps it up. For the Lord says, let's bring the music back because he had music going. Isn't that good? For the Lord says, you won't see wind. You won't see rain. Like you won't even see God doing the work. You won't see evidence of progress. There's not going to be a progress bar. And hey, we're at 55%. Look, God's doing it. You're not going to see any of it. You're going to be digging. And it's not like the ditches are slowly going to fill. You're going to dig and see no evidence that it's actually making something happen. Have you ever felt like that? But the wadi, the valley, will be filled with water and you will drink, you and your cattle and your animals. And I love this verse, verse 18. This is easy in the Lord's sight. Like that thing you need God to do, that some of you are even so scared because of how big it is that you won't even pray for it. Like you're so scared of how big this thing is that you need God to do that you don't even pray for it. This is easy in the Lord's eye. Like he can spin the earth into existence and you think anything's too hard for him? What is impossible for you is easy for God. And not only is he gonna give you water, he tells him he's gonna hand Moab over to you. Verse 19, then you will attack every fortified city, every choice city. You will cut down every good tree and stop up every spring. You will ruin every good place, piece of land with stones. About the time for the grain offering the next morning, check out what happened. Water suddenly came from the direction of Edom and filled the land. So they had to dig and dig and dig and dig and dig and dig and saw no evidence of it. And then they wake up the next morning and God's done the miracle. You know what is so interesting about this? Nowhere in this story is it talking about how hard it was to dig. It doesn't even tell us that they technically dug. I mean, it's just God said, here's what you need to do. And then apparently they did it and God brought the water performed the miracle. And not one verse is dedicated to, so we dug and we dug and Jay gave up halfway through because he thought it would be better to play guitar than to dig. He thought we needed some inspirational music and we were all mad at Jay because we need him to help and we didn't need that. And Candace over there acted like her leg hurt. She was running fine before. And we were all so tired and it was awful digging and it was so hot. There's none of that in here. Why? Because when God comes through, it's so much better than what you had to do while you were digging. Like the pain you felt and the, how hard that season was where you were digging with no evidence that God was gonna do what you needed him to do. When he finally comes through, none of that matters anymore. Because what God did is so amazing and so worth it. It doesn't even matter what you had to do to get there.